And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes in their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. Look at the effect of a vision of the Lord Jesus Christ and his power. So as I have seen thy power and thy glory in the sanctuary, David said in Psalm 63. But look at Peter. Why wasn't he popping the cork on champagne bottle? Why wasn't he backslapping James and John and Andrew? Because the glory of God was in his presence. The Lord Jesus Christ was there with the power of speaking a word. Go out and cast your nets on the other side. And they drew so many fish in, it broke their net, and they got so many fish in both ships that it sank both ships. Now when have you fishermen ever had anything like that? How many inches have you ever depressed your bass boat, Brother Gerald, with all the bass you've put in it? The boats began to sink from the multitude of fishes. And Jesus, I mean, Peter falls at the knees of Jesus. And notice what he says. Lord, I love having you around. My fishing business is going to be awesome in the future. Oh, what a team we're going to make, Lord. I'm going to go get a bigger net. Stay right there. I'll be back in just an hour. Nothing like that. I want to ask you what the goodness of God does to you. Romans 2.4 tells me what the goodness of God is supposed to do to you. What does the goodness of God do to you? Does it make you think that God's approving of your life? Does it make you want to go work harder? If you work 60 hours this week and you get a promotion and a raise, you want to go work 70 hours the next week? What does the Bible say in Romans 2.4? The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. And look what effect it had on Peter. Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. He saw the goodness and the loving kindness and the mercy and the power and the glory and the holiness of the Lord Jesus Christ, who had just preached the gospel from the bow of his ship and had sent him, he had fished all night and he had now filled it with fishes. But that goodness and that glory and that holiness caused Peter to fall at his knees in repentance and say, depart from me, O Lord, for I'm a sinful man. That's what, that's the effect it should have on us. In the presence of God's glory, we are corrupt. That's what Daniel said in Daniel chapter 9 and 10, that the holiness of the angel that spake with him made him feel corruptible. What else did it do to Peter? Second sentence of verse 10. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not. What was he saying? Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. Fear not. From henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, 
they forsook all and followed him. And what they forsake? Two ships so full of fish that they were sinking. They didn't want to process them. They didn't want to freeze them. They didn't want to take them home and show everybody in town, look what we caught with one cast of our net. They forsook all and followed him. Look at the effect of having a vision of God in the life of Simon Peter, a professional fisherman. He forsook his nets. He forsook his profession. He laid down everything he had known thus far in his life to go and be a fisher of men with the Lord Jesus Christ. A rough character Peter was. And he would show some of that rough character in the remainder of his life. But one of the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. One of Jesus' favorite apostles. Peter, James, and John went with him everywhere. Doesn't that give you some of you brethren hope? That you're a rough character, but the Lord Jesus Christ can still use you. I'm glad you all understand that, or you wouldn't be here today with me in this pulpit. Thank you, blessed God. Look at Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Are you getting the, are you getting the drift of what I've been able to cover in this first sermon? That the great men of Scripture had a great vision of God, and that for you to be great, you need to see the glory of God, His power, His loving kindness, His deliverance. You need to see it for yourself. I can't give it to you except through the pages of Scripture. But do you have David's attitude? That one thing have I desire to the Lord, and that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. For why? To behold the beauty of the Lord. I want to see it. Acts chapter 9 is Saul of Tarsus. Look at what it says in verse 1. Yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, he went and got authority to go to Damascus and throw Christians into prison. Breathing out threatenings and slaughter. This man was full of zeal against the Lord Jesus Christ. Full of zeal against Christians. Full of zeal against the churches of the Lord. He's on the road to Damascus. You know the story well. But listen, we just don't want to read it for its historical content. We want to read it for the effect of a vision of God. Verse 3, And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth. A brilliant light above the noonday sun This testimony is given three times in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 22, Acts chapter 26. It's brighter than the noonday sun and it knocks Paul to the ground with its brightness and he's blind. And he hears a voice saying unto him in verse 4, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? He knew that he was dealing with the God of heaven. Who art thou, Lord? He may have seen him. I know he saw him because the Bible tells me he saw him. He saw the Lord Jesus Christ in glory. Who art thou, Lord? He owns him as his master and ruler. Who art thou, Lord? Look at the effect of the first stages of a vision of God upon Saul of Tarsus. And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. I've been pricking you, Saul of Tarsus, and you've ignored them. 
And you've kept on persecuting me and my saints. And he trembling, trembling with this vision of God and astonished by the vision said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Does that sound like Isaiah? Sound like Ezekiel? Sound like Job? Sound like Jacob? Sound like Moses? What a change! How long did this conversation take place? How many seconds do you want to give it? 15 seconds? 20 seconds? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And he went into the city, and Ananias baptized him, and Ananias anointed his eyes, and brought his sight back, and Ananias fed him a meal, and he went straight down to the synagogue. Verse 20, And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Do you know why? Because he had just had a vision of the Son of God on the road to Damascus. He knew that Jesus of Nazareth was God glorified in the flesh. All of a sudden he knew what Isaiah 7.14 meant about Emmanuel, God being with us. All of a sudden he knew, Isaiah 9.6, that there shall be a son born whose name shall be called the mighty God. And he's in the synagogue. Look at the effect it had on his life. And you need to be conformed to the image of God's Son? What's so hard for us? Our flesh is terrible. So we need to come into the house of God and we need to make this our one desire to behold the beauty of the Lord in His temple. Amen. So that we go out of this place like Saul of Tarsus saying, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And do you know what the answer was from Ananias to this man? Thou art going to suffer many things for my name. Because of what you did to my churches, and because of what I did to die for your sins, you're going to suffer many things. How is that for a ministerial call? Did it discourage Saul of Tarsus? Not a bit. He He said, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities and my persecutions and my distresses, for when I am weak, then am I strong, because the power of Christ is with me. You saw in Revelation chapter 1 that the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to the Apostle John when he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. He heard behind him a voice, and he turned to behold who was speaking to him. He had never heard a voice like that before, and he had had the Lord talk to him for three and a half years. But he turned to see the Lord of glory, and he fell at his feet as dead. Right. And our high King of heaven told him to fear not that he had been dead, but he was alive forevermore. The harmless son of God, though he looked so terrifying to John that he fell at his feet as dead, said, fear not, because there is no fear to a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. That is the Lord of glory. Look at the effect of these visions upon men. Who is going to say with Isaiah, Here am I. Send me. Who's going to say with Peter, Depart from me, O Lord. I don't deserve all these blessings. And then when you hear God's direction for your life, you rise, you forsake all, and you follow him. Who's going to be like Saul of Tarsus and say, What wilt thou have me to do, Lord?
May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word. And may we conform our lives to the image of His Son. Amen.